0: Welcome to another Abiding Thought. Now, today I want to um, work from a statement that Paul makes in Galatians chapter 6. It's actually an exhortation. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if if we do not give up. Now, this exhortation is really grounded in two very important truths. Number one, doing good is our Christian duty. So that's that's baked into what Paul says here. Secondly, doing good by fallen creatures in a fallen world can be a source of great frustrations. So I think both of those things are baked in that. On the one hand... Doing good is our Christian obligation. And I'm going to flesh these out, both of them interwined into uh, five main thoughts that we want to kind of work from um, to, to frame this. But doing good is our Christian obligation. It's our Christian duty. But because we are Christian, as Christians, we are fallen. And what makes us Christian is that the righteousness of Christ is credited to us, it's imputed to us, it's not, it's not infused within us, it's, it's imputed to us, which means we are not absolutely in and of ourselves perfectly righteous, which means we are always going to be resistant by virtue of our remaining fallen nature, we're going to be resistant to whatever degree to do what we ought to do. On top of that, we are doing good in a fallen world. I remember uh, someone once saying that if you put a piece of wood, say three feet wide and five feet long, you put it on the on the ground, you and anyone who has any de, any any degree of balance can walk across that plank of wood. But if if you take that same plank of wood and you place it between two 20-story buildings and then you have a person walk across it, it becomes more difficult because, because the circumstances have changed. And so it is with doing good. We are doing good as fallen creatures in a fallen world and it makes it more complicated and it creates a great deal of frustration. So let's look at five things in unpacking this exhortation. First off, broadly speaking, doing good is the will of God as his redeemed and reconciled image bearers in the spirit of Galatians 5.1. And in Galatians 5.1, Paul says it is for freedom for which Christ has set you free. And part of that freedom is the freedom to be able to do the will of God. Because prior to our fallen, uh, uh, prior to our regeneration, by virtue of our corrupt fallen nature, we are not able at all to do the will of God. He uses even our inability to do His will, He uses it for common good, but we are not able to do the will of God. So when Paul says in chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom, you have been set free, and I know we've addressed this in a previous devotional, but for freedom, Christ has set you free, is a reminder that what we have been set free from is our fallen nature, and what we've been set free for is to, be, is to now pursue the will of God. So broadly speaking, doing good is a part of the freedom that we have been set free for. Secondly, as we also see in verse 10, where Paul mentions those do good to all men, and then especially to the household of God. So as we see in verse 10, our duty to do good is really in the spirit of the second table of the law. And in the second table of the law, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we speak of our neighbor, that includes both unbelievers as well as believers. Believers are categorized in verse 10 as those who are of the household of God. So our duty to do good, which is, we, which is what we have been set free for, includes our unbelieving neighbors as well as those who are of the household of God, which brings us to a third thing. By virtue of our own fallen nature, there are any number of things that can cause us to be reluctant to do the good that we are obligated to do. Any number of things, um, our own desire not to do good for people, certain people because we don't like them, uh, things that have been done to us by various people. Uh, maybe we've bought into a particular. Uh, piece of gossip about a person, therefore we don't want to do them good. Any number of reasons that emanate from nowhere else other than our own fallen nature, which is oftentimes reinforced by external sources, can cause us to be resistant to do the good or reluctant, resistant and reluctant to do the good that we ought to do. So we've been set free to do good, Doing good is part of the second table of the law. It's in the spirit of the second table of the law. It's what we owe all of our neighbors, whether they are regenerate or unregenerate. But here's a fourth thing. When we do good, when we do good for our neighbors, or even for those who are within the faith, we may not see the effect of the good that we've done. We may not see it. In other words, we may not see where the good that we have done has been able to make a positive, verifiable, objective difference. And that can cause us frustration. But not only sometimes we may not see the immediate effect, but sometimes the good that we do is neither recognized nor appreciated, as we would define it, by the ones that we do good for. And that, those things combined, can contribute to our growing weary. Because when we do good, we, we, are, we are the people of instant gratification. And we want to see the good that we do make an immediate difference. Now, understand I know if we were to sit down and just talk about things and the big picture, we would know, we would recognize, most of us would would readily acknowledge that one single event may or may not have a noticeable effect right away. But most of the things in life are the result of contributing factors, and sometimes things are played out over a larger span of time. So it's sometimes it's unreasonable for us to expect one deed to make a noticeable, effective difference right away. However, be that as it may, the fact that we are fallen creatures, and as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we see in part and we understand in part, there is a tendency for us to expect immediate results from the good that we've done or... We expect the people that we do good for to sometimes, in some way or another, call attention to the fact that we did good. I, I can't help but think of a Seinfeld episode where a friend of Jerry and his friends had given them uh, tickets to a hockey game. It was a playoff game. And I guess he had done this before, and he was known for the fact. Now, granted, uh, when they received the tickets, Jerry said thank you, gave him an immediate thank you for the tickets. And apparently, this guy, his name was Alec Berg, if, you ever, uh, if you're ever, if you a Seinfeld fan. But Alec Berg, had a, he had a habit of giving things away, and then when you thank him immediately, he also expected a thank you after the event. So Jerry received the tickets, extended gratitude, and said thank you. And after the game was over, Alec was expecting him to call him and once again thank him for the tickets. Jerry, knowing the pattern, refused to do it. Well, the Rangers won that playoff game, which meant they were going to play another one. Alec Berg also had seats because he had season tickets. He had tickets, and Jerry expected him to give him tickets again. But Alec was sitting back waiting for the phone call to say thank you, and because he did not, because Jerry did not uh, give him another, an additional thank you, Alec Berg gave the tickets to someone else. The point being, we all have a tendency to be like Alec Berg, that when we do good, we want our good acknowledged, and it's not enough Even if a person says expresses their gratitude, that's sometimes not enough. We want it to be shouted from the rooftops. We want that person every time, even if we don't put it in those terms, we want them to be forever grateful for the good that I did. And when we don't get it, when we don't get the appreciation or the response that we think we should get from the good that we do, we can grow weary. And it can cause us to therefore retract and redraw or retract and and withhold good that we can do because we feel unappreciated for the good that we do. So any number of things, and that's true, by the way, not just for unbelievers, because sometimes we do that, we look at that in terms of when you do good for um, maybe a stranger on the street or do good for a neighbor, and you kind of expect it if they are unbelievers. But we can be that same way within the body of Christ, that for any number of unknown reasons, personal and private and petty, that we will withhold immediate good that we are able to do, whether it's a word of appreciation, whether it's a word of encouragement, simply because of a grudge that we've held in which case, or because maybe legitimately understand what I said earlier, we're doing good in a fallen world, and the good that's received in a fallen world is not always appreciated. And so Paul takes into consideration all of these facts, and that brings us to the fifth thing, and that's, I think, that one of the ways that we can apply the exhortation that Paul gives here is that we cannot allow, any of those things, the expectations that we may have of others, the inability to see immediate results from previous good that we've done, the fact that the people that we've done good for have sometimes taken it and twisted it and used it in the wrong way. We can't allow any of those things to justify our reluctance or our resistance to do good. You know why? Because it is for freedom to do good, which is the will of God, that Christ has set us free. And it's not contingent upon their acknowledging it, fully appreciating it. We are to do good for the sake of good and for the glory of God. And so I say this to you, brothers and sisters, As we live in a changing world, as we live in a world where people are obsessed with so many things and we're seeing things played out, even in the moral lives of individuals that we may not agree with, but it doesn't change our obligation to do good. That's the two 20-story buildings that now that the plank is resting between, we are still called to do good. And we can't let internal corruption and external interference hinder us from doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. That's where cynicism steps in. That's where other issues step in. And we, at, in doing that, when we allow cynicism and, and, and self-serving purposes to set in, then we obscure the free grace that of God that has set us free, that has enabled us to do good to begin with. Do not grow weary in doing good, because eventually good is its own reward, and it will not be nullified. Thank you.